0: That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: Welcome to Upfront Down Under. I'm Clay Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan.
2: England get their World Cup off to a winning start, but not without one hell of a fight. Haiti, Priscilinas is all the way, and Serena Beegman has been left with some pretty big questions to answer. Rachel and I were both at the game, and we are raring to get stuck in. There's just so much to say on this game. We also check in with the USA, Japan, and Spain after they all started their campaigns in style. But the underdogs are biting back. Rach, I mean, first things first, we've got to address the fact that this is the first time that a lot of people will be seeing you with your hair down. You've obviously had a hair wash uh, this evening, uh, which is lovely. Um, our producer, Finn, did mention that he, you know, he questioned whether you wanted to be videoed uh, for this particular recording, given that your opinions is, uh, is somewhat different to what we can expect. So just wondered first off whether yep. you had any comments on, on that issue.
1: Always nice to hear when someone, before you say anything, questions whether you want your video on or not. It kind of tells you all you need mm. to know. Um Listen, our our listeners will know from the Euros that as tournaments go on, our appearances get um, a little bit more ragged. Perhaps uh, I didn't expect it to happen probably as early as this. We're only into game two, but we are mm. the other side of the world, and the time difference is a lot. Given we are recording this at midnight, it gives you an idea. Mm. Um, I had a uh, I had a ten minute window, and I I nice. got my hair wash in. So it is what it is. You'll just have to deal with it, uh, and I'm I apologize in advance. It might get frizzier as we go on. So. Let's crack on.
2: Gosh, have you been trained by the uh, the PR team at the Lionesses? Because that was very, very well put together, that response. <laughs> right, let's get stuck in. There's obviously been a very big game this evening. We were both fortunate enough to be there. Um, yeah, a massive atmosphere. The crowd was there. There was reportedly 42,000 tickets sold and the capacity was 42,500. There was like a light show that came on at the halftime and just before the, show, uh, before the, uh, the stadium, sorry, before the game started. Um, yeah, it was big. It just felt like uh, everyone has really come together. We're walking to the stadium, loads of people in the pubs, loads of people with Lionesses um, tops on, from mainly from Australia. Um, not that many people with, um, with Haiti tops on, but there was still a little bit of a, a contingent down there. Obviously, we just about scraped through with a 1-0 win, and that is only thanks to a Georgia-Stanway penalty... And that is only thanks to the fact that we had a chance to retake that penalty because the Haiti keeper came off her line too early. That's how close it was. That's the difference between us not getting those additional two points. Um, Rachel, what were your thoughts? Because that was not the game that we were expecting.
1: No, um, it was pretty underwhelming. Um, I was a little surprised at the lineup. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think maybe England underestimated Haiti. And I think they probably wanted, say... Russo to get her shooting boots on, and um, they probably thought they could get some players, maybe a little bit of match fitness in this game. Um, and it was interesting to see from the lineup who was going to be partnering Millie Bright as well. Was it going to be Greenwood? Was it going to be Carter? It was Carter. Um, underwhelming. Uh, I think England were quite slow in the first half. I think the biggest issue was was that they underestimated Haiti. I think they thought Haiti were going to sit back parked the bus, 11 players behind the ball and that's not really what they did um, and I think England didn't adapt to the fact that Haiti were were doing well pressing them, were countering really well and it meant they were leaving loads of space down the, the full backs were getting too far forward leaving loads of space my god are Haiti good at the counter attack I thought Haiti were disciplined their movement was really good I was, I was kind of watching you know I was behind their defence in the second half even like right down to the 90th minute they're stepping across together they're really well concentrated very clever with when they move with their press didn't give England a huge amount of time in the midfield really fit like kept up with them through the game um, so I think while England underwhelmed me I was really impressed with Haiti and I actually thought they deserved a goal Um uh, yeah it was just there was standout uh, Melchie Dumonet who we'd spoken about before um, Teos I think it was in goal she was they were both superb I couldn't decide who should have got player of the match between the two of them um, and of course FIFA being FIFA gave it to Georgia Stamway. Um but yeah I just thought Haiti can go away, head's held high, um, and there could be some surprises in this group. I think um, it was a very exciting game, especially in that
2: first half, because Haiti, like you said, really took the game to England. Um, and there were so many chances, especially in that first half, that I thought, you know what, I think Haiti might actually get the first goal. Um, a couple of chances, like you said, that were coming from uh, the back line pressing way too far up and being exposed at the back. I mean, Millie Bright, we've got to talk about her. Um she didn't have the best game today. Um, and obviously being captain, we were kind of expecting that she was going to have to really step into that position after obviously a long time of not playing in competitive football. But, you know, she'd been declared fit, she'd been declared safe to play. So we thought that that was maybe going to be, she She needed to step into that role a lot more. And what we actually saw, I think, was something quite shaky. Uh, I mean, her first um, pass back uh, over to, to Lucy Bonds on the, on the right-hand side, I mean, it was cut short. It was a, a very weak pass. Heidi intercepted it and all of a sudden it looked like we were on the back foot. And there was a couple of occasions, like you said, where Millie Bright had gone so far up that it only took a one pass to cut through her. And all of a sudden it was 2v2 two two or one-on-one on one with, with Mary Earps. And, um Yeah, that was the biggest concern for me, actually. I mean, we always knew that we were going to be a bit shaky in defence, but I didn't realise that the shakiness was going to come from our most experienced defender. I mean, do you
1: think that she should have started given that game? Um, I don't think Serena would have started her if she didn't think she was ready. But she didn't look match fit. She didn't look sharp enough, um, and I feel like, but that I feel like that was the England team all over a little bit, uh, which is a little bit frustrating, I guess, because you know they've had the Portugal game. They played Canada behind closed doors, and um, maybe that's not quite enough. Maybe we should have had another uh, send off game. But then we had the whole issue with the ECA and when players can be released. Um, but that's what it felt like. It just didn't feel. It was a bit like the Portugal game. They just didn't seem sharp. Um, first half was really slow as well, I thought. Uh, actually, me and the camera guy beside me were both a bit like, this is almost boring. Like, bloody hell, move the ball quicker. It's what we're used to seeing. Um, so the most of the excitement came from when uh, Haiti came forward. Um, so the crowd yeah, really just, got
2: behind them when they went forward yeah, really got behind them it there was, was so many cheers it was so cheers. good it, yeah it was wild I was like looking in the crowd and seeing so many Lionesses shirts
1: and every time Haiti went forward there was the biggest cheer it was bigger than the Lionesses chances yeah Um. so yeah it was it was an interesting one Um. I don't think that's the 11 that's going to start against Denmark or China I don't think we're going to see a repeat of the Euros where we have the same starting 11 every time Um. you can't look at that starting 11 and say yeah, that's our best 11. We should be starting the next game. A team like Denmark or China I mean, Haiti exposed us, so Denmark or China will do the same, and are probably probably have maybe more clinical finishers. Um, but equally as much, like it was a combination of England didn't play well, and Haiti played great. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give too much, take too much away from Hades' performance either. I
2: think that's a quite an interesting take because I was kind of debating this with a the, the couple of the writers that I was working with this evening because they were saying, okay, well, you know, this is the start. I wasn't expecting that Russo was going to start. Um, I really thought I had my heart and soul invested. I would have put my my entire mortgage on the fact that that that, uh, that Daily was going to start over Russo. So when the team sheet came up, there was a, a ripple amongst the uh, the media centre going, "Whoa, did not did not see this happening." Um, But I just kind of felt that is this going to be a situation where actually Serena was kind of using this first game, this Haiti game, to kind of test out a certain set of players Um, and that the second game, the Denmark game, the China games, we're going to be the kind of, I don't know, we're going to see more squad rotation than than we're used to, perhaps because obviously the squad has travelled out so far um, that you know some of the players are maybe more expectant about that and also to build better squad cohesion. I mean, it's a long way to go out for you know, four or five weeks for someone like Katie Zellum to sit on the bench and not see any minutes or for, you know, Laura Coombs to, you know, never have a, a minute at the tournament. So do you think maybe there's going to be more rotation? It's not just going to be, oh, well, Daly will start. We'll actually start to see sort of, you know, some of the players that we don't see so often making the starting lineup, or
1: at least coming on as, as substitutes if things are going the right way. Potentially. I think, you know, you look back at the Euros and, and England didn't play great against Austria either um, and it looked nervy but I still felt like they were more match prepared, match fit than they are they look now. And part of me thinks- They were sharper, for sure. Were, yeah. Part of me thinks that there was an element of using this match, which they thought would be the easier match of the, I mean, we all thought it'd be the easier match mm-hmm. um, to give players minutes and get them some match prep, match game time, Get sorry, game time. Um, and I'm just not sure, we've talked about this I think in the past, it didn't go the way they planned, I don't think. And I just don't think their reactions were quick enough or they reacted quick enough to what was going on on the pitch and Haiti's game plan. Um, so that was interesting. And, and again, yeah, I just don't think that that's the starting 11. For me, I just don't think Toon made that impact in the number 10. I think she really struggled to find Russo. We talk a lot about them as a pairing. I think there was a struggle there today. You know, someone like a Lauren James, I thought she'd bring on Lauren James into that role. Um, and have have Kelly and Hemp on the wings. Um, what did you think about Lauren happen. James
2: coming on um, at the time that she did for Lauren Hemp? Because I thought Hemp was actually having one. Of, I thought I thought she was one of the stronger stronger players on the squad at the time. Um, I thought she was having a pretty good game, sort of causing carnage on on the wing and and you know putting in some some Lauren Hemp esque deliveries. So I just thought that was that was a bit of a weird
1: a weird sub to make. I think uh, Lauren Hemp was getting very frustrated and we saw that with the tackle she made um, and got booked for um, and perhaps there was something to it there where they thought she's getting too frustrated we need to switch things up I think Lauren James is a game changer and there was she was always going to come on um, she's the kind of I mean I'm surprised she didn't start but again that could have been down to identifying this match as a match to give players minutes and um, but when I was wa- watching the game, I would have thought she would have come on for Elatoon rather than um, Lauren Hemp. I think she has more end product when she plays in the middle because she can drive forward and pick out those passes. And I think sometimes, you know, we weren't really seeing anything coming from the crosses. So bringing on Lauren James just brought someone else on to deliver crosses. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't really offering mm-hmm. something new. Um and then I just think England got more and more frustrated. I think
2: you definitely hit the nail on the head because I do feel like it wasn't the deliveries that were the issue. It was the finishing. It was the clinicalness in front of goal. I think, you know, England and were the backing goalkeeper. up chances. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there was a couple of really, really good saves from uh, from the Haiti goalkeeper. But also at the same time, there were so many chances that were just directly at her. Just absolute sitters that were just were just... Very simple parries or very simple pickups or, you know, straight out of that you could collect into her body. And I was thinking, that is just not good enough. Like, this is against Haiti. If you're not taking these chances against Haiti, how how are you gonna fare against a harder side like Denmark? How are you gonna fare against an even harder side like Australia or Germany? It's um it that that was the thing that worried me. And now we're looking at a situation where England gone four games without scoring a goal in open play. I mean, the the only reason that we came away from that that, that game with a win was because of a a very I mean it was a bad penalty I mean as as um, obvious penalties go I mean when they went over to the VAR because I think initially like a lot of people volleyball. had missed it but um yeah I mean she kind of almost collected the ball with both hands I think she thought she might have been a goal for a second um and even bronze in the uh, in the um the mix zone afterwards was like oh I didn't even see that that had happened I, I looked back on the replay and I, I was kind of shocked at how obvious it was um but I um, yeah I mean the ref kind of I think that was her second or third time over by the monitor at that point. She was having a field day with the VAR, um, but it was so obvious. And then obviously Georgia Stanway took the penalty, not a particularly great first penalty, very much at the sort of goalkeeper, a good height for the goalkeeper, sort of around mid-height section. And then, I mean, it was still a fantastic save, absolutely phenomenal yeah. save. The Haiti fans went absolutely mental. The players clapping on the back, you know, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And then literally... 30 seconds later, she was called back. She had obviously committed a, a foul by uh, getting off her line too early once the uh, the penalty was taken. And it was, um, she just looked so brokenhearted that like she looked like the save for the team and then went to obviously, she she went the wrong way uh, and Stanway slotted into the, the bottom left corner, which you got to give credit to Stanway. That can't have been an easy thing to do. But yeah, it just, um if it, yeah, if it wasn't for that, we now wouldn't be in the position that we're in. Um, because I... for me, Russo, despite having quite a physically aggressive game, despite getting in the right positions, wasn't converting chances. So do you think Daly should have started?
1: Yeah, I do. And I think purely because when you're scoring a goal a game or an average of a goal a game in the WSL, your touch is there and your sharpness is there. Um, And I get wanting to give Russo minutes to get her match sharpness up. And again, it's just that, I think, from my point of view, that underestimating. Um, and it just became a bit like target practice rather than actually go on either side of the goalkeeper and I feel like Daly would be better at doing that and, and then by the time Daly did come on she the goalkeeper was so warmed up that she was stopping everything um, and it just felt like they were never going to get by her then um, but yeah I think had England scored their first goal in open play I think they would have scored more um, and I think the fact that it was from a penalty a retaken penalty so lucky um, just added to the fact that we still haven't scored a bloody goal from open play kind of attitude. Do you think it's now
2: a bit of a curse? Do you think that's going to be sitting over the players that they've not done this and now it becomes a thing of how many minutes are we going to go before we see a goal in open play?
1: I think it depends on the players you're putting in there. I, I feel there was also an element of, you know, some nerves from players who've not started a major tournament before. Um, and it's about who's in there in those moments. You know, people used to question starting Alan White. And she was there. She had the experience in major tournaments. She knew what to do to start games. She got things going. She peppered goalkeepers. She, you know, for the team, she figured things out with the defense for them. So by the time a sub came on or Alessio Russo came on, there was a bit more of an understanding of what was going on within the game. And I think there was an element of that, you know, so I think it all depends on who's up front to, to try and break that, that kind of curse now, if you like. And it's got to be someone with experience in major tournaments. The only difference is Yes, Daly has experience in major tournaments, but it's at the other end of the bloody pitch. Um, so yeah, who, the, whichever one is going to do that and break it, maybe it's going to be Georgia Stanway with an absolute worldie. Um, you know, or maybe it's going to come from someone like Lauren Hemp, I don't know. But um, it needs to be someone who's who's more composed and won't let things like that get from them. A Lucy Bronze with a header, you know, that kind of, that kind of player. So um, probably not ideal that they have to go in and do it against Denmark.
2: There's a kind of big question around, you know, Russo not having the best game of her life. I don't think she had a bad game. She just obviously didn't do what she was on the pitch to do, which is score. Um, But she was there. She was creating chances. She was getting in the right spaces. She was being aggressive. She was being physical. And now I've got to give credit to actually some of the subtleties of her play. When she did lose the ball, she committed fouls. And I think the the whole purpose behind that committing fouls, because it was a quite transitional game. Haiti were very quick and very direct once they got the ball. And I think committing those fouls gave the the team a chance to kind of get back into position, set themselves um, and not risk those kind of cheeky little through balls that kept happening throughout the game and putting us in one-on-one situations and 2v2s. So I will give credit to Russo. It, there was a little bit of a defensive action in, in what she was doing. But I think for Serena, I think it could be quite a, a big question about if you've got a striker who hasn't had the best game, do you continue with her and give her a chance to you know, to show what she's worth again? Or do you say, well, that was your chance. You didn't do what we asked of you and therefore it's Daly's time to
1: shine. What's more important though? Scoring goals and winning the game or giving a player a chance to not feel bad but because they're on the, the bench? It's the same
2: thing about sort of keepers in a way. Like, you know, if a keeper has an absolute nightmare, the, the first thing you do is not say, okay, well, for the next game, you're not going to start. You had an absolute shitter. It was shocking. You had your chance. You fucked up. You're gone. It's that kind of vibe.
1: Do you know what I mean? I feel like you need to build confidence. But is Russo England's starting number nine? Anyway, is, is, you know, we've had this, it isn't kind of like having a, a number one goalkeeper having a shit game and taking them out. Russo and Daly have been back and forth and back and forth. So it's kind of a hard one because there's not like an out and out number nine who's missed a load of chances and gets pulled. That's shit. You've got this kind of back and forth. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there should have been a set number nine for a longer period to allow that kind of confidence to grow. You know, who knows? We don't normally question Serena, but um, maybe in this instance, we are. I just think, um,
2: and it would have been different, I think, had Rachel Daly come on and then scored a goal or like been more effective herself uh, and set out her own stand for saying, okay, well, like Alessia Russo didn't do a job in the first half, but here I am and I've just bedded two, but she didn't. So you've got two strikers there who have had, you know quite a lot of game time between them. I think Rachel Daly had twenty five or so odd minutes, um and both of them were not finding the back of the net. so Serena's got a big, big question on her I think that Denmark game. yeah, why not? Why not? um yeah, I mean, do you want to put another schooner on it? Because I own no. you one now. no, you fine. do, okay. You just want to keep the one that you've got. All right, amazing. Yeah, um,
1: nurse it, I don't drink beer very often. Right, of course.
2: I mean, I, the, the beers out here are amazing. The IPAs and stuff in their little shops are mm. absolutely unreal. I'm thinking about staying out here, I won't. Um, talking of positives, let's go to some positive things. Okay, because there was one player and I'm not being biased and I'm not just sticking to my goalkeeper union. You will obviously yes oh guessed. Does it rhyme with the shmerry herps? <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> Weird that you guessed that straight away. Um, But if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have won the game. I mean, there was a couple of absolutely fantastic things. She didn't get a lot of the ball. She didn't see a lot of it. She had to be switched on the entire time. She was, but what she did was absolute perfection. Her pass completion has got to be at least 99% because she did not put a foot wrong in this game. Um called into action a couple of times uh, for a couple of one-on-one situations, especially in the second half, that foot save, a reaction save from literally about two feet out was absolutely unreal, absolutely key uh, to the game. Um, and also in the first half as well. Now, in the second half, there was another chance as well. Uh, there was a shot just outside the box, and she just about got a palm to it. But I think she saw oh, it quite late the power on the shot. Oh my god! It, it nearly took her backwards. And Mary, up, is yeah. sturdy. Like she's not, she's not going to blow over in a, in a small gale. Like she's there. But like, oh my god! And there was a cheeky little thing in the first half where she sort of like went to go and fake to pull out um, a pass mm. on her right hand side, and then just like stopped, brought the ball back, and like cheekily just played out the left hand side. And I just, did I you see just, Teos,
1: though do that as well?
2: Yeah, both of them. She did the same
1: thing to, yeah, to Russo. She was like, anything you can do, I can do better. Literally that. It
2: was battle of like the smarmy goalkeepers because like the both of them were just absolutely, well, they they had cracking games. But I mean, talking about Urps, she has had an absolutely huge week. Um, I was fortunate enough to be at the press conference uh, the media day uh, on Wednesday. Uh, We were all expecting a couple of lines from her about the FA bonus situation. And what actually happened was that she spoke really openly and really honestly about the situation that she'd been going through with Nike. Um, And the kind of main summary of that is that she'd had all these conversations with Nike trying to say, well, I can't find, I don't, you know, you're not selling my goalkeeper jersey online. You're selling Alessia Russo's, you're selling Toons, you're selling Dailies. They're all there, where's mine? Um, And Nike turned around and basically said, it's not part of our... Uh, commercial strategy, Uh, goalkeepers are are not sort of really our priority um, and therefore we won't be selling your shirt. Then Earps revealed that she'd actually offered Nike um, to pay for the the production and the sale of her shirt herself and the Lionesses are kind of backed her in doing that and again that wasn't something that, that sort of Nike really wanted to get behind either. So Mary Earps has become a bit of a kind of goalkeeping advocate this week and I can only give her so much credit for speaking out and speaking so openly, knowing full well that she was going to get an absolute truckload of shit and trouble from the FA as soon as... it. I mean, you should have seen the media guy um, who was sort of sitting next to her in that that mini room. Um, He looked slightly calm and I couldn't work out if he'd not appreciate the gravity of the situation until we then got out of the room and he seemed very, very nervous and he was talking to the press quite a bit about what shouldn't could be said and things like that. It all got a little bit, um, a little bit tense in the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, is, what was your take on it all, It's like, do, I mean, I, I'm i just so impressed
1: with her. I thought what she's done is, is outstanding. Oh, she, brilliant that she's brought it up. Absolutely fucking bonkers that it's happened. Like I wang on about this so much, stop being reactive. They're not even being reactive, be proactive. You've got the best goalkeeper in the world. She's literally won the best goalkeeper in the world award. She's one of the most popular players on that team. Like when we put Mary Earp stuff up on social media, it does so well because people love her. And I'm oh, sorry, you're not actually in our commercial strategy. Like what the hell sort of answer is that? That's absolutely bonkers. Make it your strategy. I, don't, I just don't understand it.
2: I just... Um... I think I was, I don't know whether I was shocked or not. I think obviously being a keeper, I think you do kind of get used to being a bit second class. Um, like things like kit. There are so many times that I've had kind of like men's fit kit or not been given the same kit as outfield players or had less chi- time in training where other outfield players would get more time, uh, obviously being on the ball. Um, so yeah, I do i do think that the goalkeepers, that they do get a bit of a rough deal. Um, so I think it's quite nice actually that, that Mary Epps has spoken about it so um, so openly, and it's it's created so much awareness of the situation. I mean, Sue Perkins from uh, the Great British Break-Off, she uh, tweeted that she'd like a, a Mary Earps Nike shirt. Uh, you had Laura Woods, the TV presenter, also saying how disgusted she was at uh, at Nike at not uh, not selling the shirt. So I'm really hoping that this has applied enough pressure on Nike to actually start thinking about what they should do with the goalkeeping strategy, because at the moment... Nike have just not said anything at all, which makes me feel even more that they've not even bothered to, you know, to even say anything. They're not even bothered to respond to what's happened. They just think that, okay, well, it's the World Cup. There'll be another issue that'll come along. This will be blown under the carpet and we'll talk about this next year. Um, So, yeah, pending. We'll wait and see. Obviously got the... um, Olympics next year, we've got the Euros the year after, but I think, um, you know, it sounds to me like Urps uh, is going to pick it up after the tournament, so um, and we're not going to let it drop, and I definitely won't, because, you know, goalkeeper union.
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
2: All right. Well, some thrashings elsewhere. The USA started their World Cup defence in style with a 3-0 win over Vietnam. Um, Sophia Smith, I mean, she was outstanding uh, on her World Cup debut. Two goals and an assist in this game. And then she she received the player of the match trophy from her own dad. Um, Rach, thoughts on this game? Because even though the scoreline is three nil it i don't think that does it justice to the effort and the difficulty that vietnam created in that game i mean this was a game that people were expecting to potentially go into you know double figures people were really thinking that the usa were going to steamroll vietnam and it was just going to be one-way traffic
1: and it really wasn't well first of all the start of this part of the show was some thrashings i don't really think we've seen other than maybe japan and i think there's a little bit more context around that I don't really think we've seen thrashings. I think a lot of the debutants and the teams that were expected to be dominated have really shown their worth. Um, You know, if we remember last year, the USA beat Thailand, what, 13-0 in the World Cup? Um, Mm -hmm. And 3-0 against Vietnam is not what you would have expected. Um, Sophia Smith, I think... It's the kind of thing you would write in your diary as a kid. Like, this is how I want my World Cup debut to go. And then you would just never think in a million years that it would ever happen. That's what her debut was like. I can't, and her first goal was, oh, peach of a goal. Um, it was lit, like, it was, it's the perfect. It's, and we've all been so excited to see her on the world stage. And she does that. I mean, like, look out the rest of the countries because if that's what she's doing at, what, nineteen. Ridiculous. Scary.
2: Absolutely yeah. scary. And I think um even though Vietnam did put the USA to the test, I think that's what worries me about the USA is that they just looked very confident. Even though they were having difficulties, I always felt that they were going to get the win. Whereas the difference with USA Haiti, um UK the UK, England, Haiti, was that I didn't I wasn't convinced that we were actually going to walk away from that game with a result. But yeah, mm. I've got to agree. I mean, Sophia Smith was absolutely unreal. Um, another legend of the game, Megan Rapino, came on as a sub. It was her 200th appearance for the USA. Obviously, she's said that she's going to retire. So this is the last time that we're going to see Rapino in the tournament.
1: Listen, given you're a goalkeeper, I think we need to shout out the Vietnam goalkeeper. Imagine saving an Alex Morgan penalty. Blood nice. And also, the Nigerian goalkeeper saved a penalty. Like goalkeepers are doing well this tournament that's another thing we've seen some really really good performances um but yeah i reckon like i know they lost 3-0 but like that's one of those ones that goalkeeper is going to take away and like that's what i love those memories that countries that have just come into this tournament for the first time are making um and that's definitely one of them
2: was it the vietnamese goalkeeper um who was it was her 26th birthday as well on the day was (gasps) that no way i think it was i think it might don't quote me on this but it was definitely someone it was a goalkeeper's 26th birthday and she saved a penalty but it's hard to remember because every single game in the world cup so far has had a penalty awarded i think Ridiculous. there is a penalty curse going through the world cup so i mean i'm hoping it continues to the final because it's just so exciting when they go oh var and then the referee runs over to look and then they and explain like, oh, it
1: god. it's so exciting oh, it's bad. Like, i've had a look at the thing and uh, i've decided that it's going to be like oh my god thanks for telling us it's so handy <laughs>
2: And then the additional benefit of that is that they add on all the extra time. So you end up getting like 10 minutes extra every half. So it's just like you're getting more and more football for your money, as well as the drama of VAR. Um, but I mean, just before the USA stepped out onto the pitch, leaving their hotel, they looked fly. Absolutely fly. They're kind of night collaboration suits. They had the, the sunnies on, these kind of visors. They walked out one hand in their pocket. They knew they looked amazing. I just thought that they were like... I don't know. I just wanted to be them. That yep, yeah, I said it. I'm a 33 year old woman, and I wanted to be one of them. Just walking out of the hotel, looking that flipping cool. I don't think I've ever looked that cool in my entire life. Um, moving swiftly on. Uh, Japan put debutante Zambia to the sword five nil, which is our biggest result. Uh, so far, but. Japan's coach uh, Fatoshi Akita said after the game that they are certainly aiming to reclaim the World Cup. They won it back in 2011. I mean, that's that's bold. Uh, the Guardian reported earlier this week that most of Zambia's players haven't been paid by their football federation for almost two years, and that's basically since the Olympics. Rach, I mean, is that is that a scoreline that you're expecting? Japan Zambia
1: five nil? No, no, I expected Zambia to score. Um, I mean, if you remember, they they beat Germany, uh, before they came into this tournament. Um, I mean, the first half, I think it was one nil in the first half. Bearing in mind, this is the game that's on while I'm prepping for the other game, so you're catching bits of it in the in the media room at the stadium. Um, yeah, I I expected more from Zambia, but equally, first major tournament, playing a tricky team like Japan as well. You know, a difficult style of football to get used to quickly. Um, and from what I've I've read, I think there's like you know sexual misconduct allegations against the coach I think a player leaving camp with an unknown illness um which is strange and and I think it was some Spanish journalists I think reporting that it was because she wasn't happy about those allegations so other stuff going on for them to deal with and, and we talked about this it's just it's really unfair that players have to be dealing with stuff like that when all they should be doing is focusing on the game um, and I think there's probably a little a bit of an element of that as well
2: 100%. I mean, it's definitely been a very controversial World Cup. And we're only just in the starting uh, starting games. Um, but I do think sort of taking the positives from everything that seems to be happening is that the underdogs in the competition seem to be bringing the games to the Titans. I mean, we look at Haiti, England, we look at USA, Vietnam, we look at Spain, Costa Rica, we look at the Philippines and Switzerland, and these teams Ireland. are and Ireland, Ireland? sorry 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 sorry, the big one the big one Ireland, australia and these two i think everyone expected that the teams who you know were making their debuts in the world cup who were definitely the under underdogs who were sort of in the 40s and 50s of fifa rankings that that they were just going to be absolutely destroyed and they've not they've really not i think they've actually used the fact they're underdogs as an advantage as a well no one's expecting anything from us we we have this kind of david and goliath mentality why not go out there and just do our absolute best? I mean, Rach, who's the underdog who you think has impressed the most? And you can't say Ireland. Why? Because it's biased. It's true
1: though. Um, Fine. Um, Trying to think. Philippines did well against Switzerland. I think Vietnam going up against the USA knowing what they did in the 2019 World Cup. I said this in the last pod. One of the things I was most looking forward to was seeing the debutantes. Um... And I've been so impressed so far and it makes me really excited. Like I really hope we see some debutants pick up points and I think we might. Um, and that's really special because there's often talk about the Minnows and how, you know, sometimes there's things like they shouldn't be coming through these qualifications if they're going to get battered. Like there should be another layer to kind of, that they have to get through which I just think is crap. I think them getting access to the biggest stage, getting their federations to see what other teams are doing and how well other teams are doing and also then, trying what they can do um, is pretty special. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's been one of the best things so far about the tournament is, is seeing how well they've done.
2: I have got to agree with that. I think it's so cute that you call them minnows. I didn't realise that that was a term that was being coined for the, uh, the, the, the new World Cup starters. Um, yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, a team like Haiti, who have kind of... They've got a lot of attention, I suppose, in the UK only because of the fact that they are the first people that are the first team that the, the, the Lionesses are going to face. But in their own right now, because of that performance and because of how attacking they were, because of the chances they had, because of the saves that were being made, they now look like quite a strong side. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up a couple of points, a draw and maybe even a, a win, um, maybe against Ch- someone like China. Um and, um, you know, you never know what happens. maybe Haiti are coming out of into the group stages out of the group stages. Do you know and into
1: what the, uh, the round of sixteen nobody looks out of place. everyone no. looks like they should be here playing, which I think is brilliant.
2: agreed. it's been a, a very positive tournament in that regard, and I think we should kind of end on on end on that note. that just feels like a nice way to say nice yeah yeah um rachel where are you going to be i know you're going to be here there and everywhere um as am i i'm flying out to sydney tomorrow um yeah but not until seven o'clock so i'm trying to change my flight and see if i can get out of there earlier because i'll just be wasting away in the sun over here
1: they're, they're like buses so you can probably change it um i am heading to perth tomorrow evening um because ireland will be taking on canada next so that is my next game Oh, what are you thinking for that game? That is going to be a toughie. If Ireland could play like they did against Australia, mm-hmm. I think they could get something out of it. I think the fact that Canada and Nigeria drew will give them confidence, will give Ireland confidence. They know they're not out of it yet. I think if, it, if one of those teams had won and taken all three points, that would be stressful for Ireland. They'd be like, right, we don't have a choice. We have to have to win both our games. The fact that it's a draw, that group is still wide open and and I was at a media day with the Ireland Camp today and, and that is giving them a big boost. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one.
2: Uh my mistake, by the way, it wasn't the Vietnam keeper, it was a Costa Rica goalkeeper, Daniela Solero's 26th birthday. And on top of that, happy birthday, she faced 46 shots. Bloody hell. <laughs> Aye.
1: I what I mean a, I can make a, a birthday. better birthday presence. <laughs> <laughs> she deserves she deserves cake after that.
2: Mm. At the very least. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We're back next Tuesday. This is your last chance to enter our competition in collaboration with Art of Football. We're giving away one of their spicy Big Kick Energy shirts from their World Cup range. You just need to follow at... Art underscore of underscore football and at upfront underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram to be in with a chance of winning. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Morgie underscore 89, Rach is at girls on the ball and our new Twitter and Instagram is at upfront underscore pod. See you very soon.